Welcome to the Jason Sweeney podcast. I met with Scottish songwriter Jim McCulloch to ask him a few questions on songwriting and his past and current projects. Not only does Jim hold a Masters in Songwriting from UWS, with distinction might I add, he has a rich and extensive history in music. Jim was a member of the Soup Dragons, BMX Bandits, Superstar, Green Peppers and has worked with Isabel Campbell, Mark Lanigan and the band Lightships. Jim's main concentration these days is alongside vocalist Anna Sherd. They are a writing duo inspired by 60s West Coast psychedelia and early 70s folk rock and together they are the act Snow Goose. Snow Goose released their debut album Harmony Springs in 2012. Hope is the first of the new recordings from the forthcoming album, The Making of You. The follow-up to the critically acclaimed debut, Harmony Springs, and this sees the songwriting duo supported by a who's who of Scottish pop music, including members of Bell and Sebastian, The Pearl Fishers, and Teenage Fan Club. So sit back and enjoy my conversation with Jim. First question to yourself, Jim, is simple. Why do you write songs? Uh, I'm not sure. If I've really thought about it too much, it's maybe a, it started off as something I really enjoyed doing at school, like playing music, playing in bands. I loved the, the idea of playing in bands. And then I thought, OK, you can do cover versions for so long, but I really want to emulate these people that I see on stage that are my, my heroes. So my big heroes like Paul Weller at the time, Roddy Frame from Aztec Camera, and Edwin Collins from Honest Roost, people like that, says, I want to be where they are. And I was, I was quite happy being a, a sideman, the guitarist for that long time, but then I thought, well, I want to, I want to have a wee go in the spotlight myself. So I just, I, I felt, it, no, I wasn't looking for attention, but I wanted to explore if I could write these songs, because I love playing these chords, like major sevenths and all that. I want to use this in my, and creatively, so aye, that was it really. Just, I wanted to be up there with the rest of them. What would you say? What would you say? I'm going to move on and uh, later on and ask you a wee bit about um, some of the, the, the new stuff that you're doing. But what would you say from all your studying and all your kind of listening to your your guitar heroes and your songwriting heroes? Is uh, what would you say your strengths are in writing? I think it's this the grasping the, a melody, getting a good melody, something that maybe has never been used before. Um, I love middle eights. I love being creative in that wee section of the song. It's the kind of bridge between the, the chorus. To, it's quite quite traditional, but it can be quite inventive because you're trying to be really creative in a very short space of time, like eight bars or 16 bars. Mm-hmm. And it's just trying to say, well, what can I do differently this time? Or can I use different chords or different timings? See if I can come up with something a wee bit exciting. Yeah. Something I've always found interesting is, is when they say middle eights or the bridge before the chorus, mm-hmm. I've always associated just because of being into, I don't know, grew up listening to Bon Jovi and yeah, so on. Yeah. The, the bridge for me always tend to come after the chorus before the solo. Yeah. It was like the changing moment, but I've heard some people call uh, a bridge um, the pre chorus. Yeah. What, what's your. I'd, what terminology I'd, I'd you use? Well, I know a lot of folk as well think like the chorus and I don't know the bridge. It's like I, I try not to put a label on it. I try and let it kind of flow naturally. And I think the, maybe the more you um, you start putting labels and things, it kind of takes it makes it a bit mechanical. But I think that the art of it all is just to make it flow. You know, all that hard work, all the, the piecing together, a double chorus there, a half chorus there. 
as long as it sounds kind of seamless, mm-hmm. then I think that's the art of it. You know, just you're doing all the hard work, but and it, and when you eventually play the finished version and it just flows, I think that's you've given you've, you've cracked it because there's no wee niggle at the back of your their head thinking, oh, that doesn't, that's not quite happening. But if it's flowing and, and people are tapping their feet to it, think, well, you've, you've done it, you know. And when you do that bridge, when you're kind of, is that more or less, is that, could that start with a bridge or could it be the end thing? And would the bridge be a point where you would just kind of flip the whole thing right round or would it, could it, do it. I mean, just complement? Yeah, I think a, a bridge is like, it's either a, I mean, it could be a hook as well, you know, it could be a hook. And if it's, if you're writing, in your bridge and it's really strong so is there any way I can incorporate the elements of that into the beginning of the song or the end of the song it's like using the same hook but maybe using it over different chords can, can really change the atmosphere I think that's quite a, quite a, neat, a neat trick if you can pull that off just if, if, as long as you're you're writing a wee bit of the tune and it's like, well, is that better than that bit or is this better than that bit and you can shuffle it about and just use your imagination and don't be worried if it's all going to fall down like a house of cards, you know, because all the pieces are there, all you just need to do is put them together again, you know, and live with it and don't don't walk away from it, but let it breathe for a wee while and then come back to it, you know, that kind of thing. What would you say you're not that good at? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not, a, I wouldn't, process-wise, I'm not a, I don't think I'm a, a singer, a lead singer. I think that's maybe that's after the fact of writing the song. I'd rather have somebody else singing my song. But I think uh, getting the starting point from the, 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 your, your melody for your verse, I think that's always a tricky one because that's kind of your blank page moment, you know. Um, sometimes you'll come up with a wee hook or a wee riff and you'll record it on your phone and then you'll, as long as you're keeping you know, a, a, a list of what you've got and you're labelling it properly then it's easy to go back and find it you know maybe sometimes I'm really bad at, at documenting what I've got mm-hmm. you know on, as just on, on file basically but once once I get over that and get the discipline of doing that then it, I find it a bit, it's easier because it's like you're, you're looking back in your wee library of licks and riffs and snatches of melody here and there so I think that's Having that discipline is, is quite important. Can I use um, uh, the, the song Hope as a as a, an example? Uh-huh. Um, the Hope is obviously the, the, the one of the, the latest song, the yeah. latest single yeah. that you've done with um, Snow Goose. Yes. What was the approach there? What was how did that how did that materialise? Was it through a title first, or was it through no, a guitar riff? Through or? the guitar riff, um, I was playing about with different tunings on my guitar um, for the tech. Tech, tech geeks out there, I had a, just a normal tuning, but then I dropped my top E down to a D. I think usually people drop their bottom E down to a D, so I did, but you know, the high, high oh, E. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. So all I did was drop my high E down to a D, and that, that opened up a whole new language, really, because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying to play a D chord, but there's this drone at the top, and it changed my D to an A minor, and then my, my C, and it just had this openness to it. And then I just got a wee riff out of that and I started playing the riff. And then that melody suggested itself just through playing it round and round and round. And I got the chords and then I was just working on it. I just looking at, this is my statement about the world as it is at the moment, because I don't normally write sort of songs like that. But then I thought, well, I want to try and write about the world as I see it at the moment. And it was just when Trump had come in and all that and the, the world was going to pieces. And I thought, this is, it's going to be a happy, sad song, this, because I want... 
it's not all bad, it can get better and all this. And I, can I try to make it quite uplifting in that sense, you know, but still document things that are horrible and rubbish. My, my overall impression of the song when listening to it a good few times is that, is that it, the, the emotion of it, it feels very easy listening. And when I first listened to it a couple of times, I felt that that emotion was right from the start all the way through. Uh-huh. So much so that on first listen, I don't, because I was so invested in it, I didn't really feel that I was paying attention to, okay, that's the verse, that's the chorus. Uh-huh. And then it wasn't until I probably sat down with the guitar uh-huh. and really realised that the, the, the part that I believe is maybe the chorus of that song, uh-huh. and well, correct me if I'm wrong, but is when you, I think you hit the, the B and then you start descending. Uh-huh. Is it, was that, would that be right? It's is just that... been that, that, it's only hope, blah, 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 blah. You know, mm-hmm. that is definitely the, the chorus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I was, we were producing it and stuff like that, we were listening to a lot of like, Fleetwood Mac and things, and just having Anna singing it kind of changed the dynamic of it, because it, coming from a, a female perspective, it, it gave it a different twist, because originally it was kind of, I wrote it to start with, and then once I brought the rest of the band in, it was people adding their own elements, but kind of the structure was there, and there's wee bits that you'd say maybe that, in a normal situation, that would be like four bars, but we would make it two bars, just to give give it a wee bit of something else, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Did you demo the song before you recorded it fully? Not so much demoed it, just I recorded my original sketch on my phone basically and then I passed it around everybody and, and then we just, everybody just took it away and then before we recorded the album, before we recorded the album we just, um, we, we kind of went into rehearsal space and just jammed it out really and, mm-hmm. and then I, ideas like the guitar riff started to appear and things like that, so it all started with the basic bones of the chords and the melody and, and the lyric, and then it just sort of developed from there. In the development process, how, how much did it change from the, like the the first idea from when you decided that you had jammed it out in the rehearsal room? Was was there much kind of different changes in fa- as far as structure goes, or or was it just a matter of fact that it was you got it right first time, or did you rewrite a lot of it? Well, not so much rewrote, but we just like um, work, working with the, the drummer and the bass player, and we just sort of we just sort of okay, how can we make this more interesting? Because it could quite easily have been kind of straightforward ABA format, you know, no bother, because it's quite straightforward um, in, in that sense. But then we're just sort of looking at, you know, what kind of tricks can we pull here to make it a bit more unusual. So I just halving things and doubling things and and things sort of tripping into, like from the part of the guitar riff would go straight into the next verse and stuff like that. So just playing about with the form was mm-hmm. making it quite interesting for us as well. Uh, an old songwriting teacher of mine years ago said to me there's a there's a time when the the song has to be done yeah. because it could go on forever. Would you, would you agree with I that? Would, I would agree with that. I think just in this day and age how people can just use their digital you know, in the house people a lot of home recording and people there's there's no red line, you know, there's no you can just keep tweaking and tweaking until until the end of time, really. But if you're up against the clock, like we were, we were in a recording down in a, a, a residential studio in Wales, so we had a week. So we had, um, Anna was in a vocal booth and the band were in a separate room and recording everything at the same time. We were up against the clock, you know, up against the clock, so we had to get this done. So 
they just this is our st- this is what we're doing and this is the time we're going to do it and so mm-hmm. we need to get it done. And from the just moving on to the production side, from was it a different person that um, when I was looking for the, the, the details, I listened to it on Spotify and you know how you can click on to see the credits yeah, and sometimes yeah. all the information's there. But what I didn't see was, was from was it a separate person that mixed it and then mastered it or did you just do that yourself? We kind of did it ourselves. Um, we all, I mean, the guy that we play with in the band, Raymond McGinley, he's, he's also the guitar player in Teenage Fan Club. So he's quite a hands-on kind of guy. As a, as a band, they're very autonomous. You know, everything's kind of done in-house, and they've been doing it for so many years, so they know what they're doing and kind of trust his judgment and all that. You know, so between us, we got it, we got it done. And he's got a, a studio in his house, and he mastered it as well. So everything was kind of done within the band as, as such. So yeah, it's just it's good to have people that you know and you trust and you can rely on. You know, it's, it's very focused individuals, you know, and they're not. All their kind of crazy days are behind them. It's just like it's all about the music now, kind of thing. So the, 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 this, this, um, if I can, Snow Goose is, is, is motivation really high at this point. You've just done the, the BBC Creations. Yeah, we we're just we're on a high. I mean, we're just focusing on the album coming out. We've had lots of good radio play and Radio Scotland and Radio Six as well, and then regionally, like sort of folk, folk shows around the country, um, been playing it. And we're just about to release the album to all these people as well. So all they've had is the single so far, and they're all very interested in hearing the album as as a as a whole now. So I think that's going to make a big impact. And just fingers crossed. Excellent. What would you say? Um, what's one thing that you wish you had known at the beginning of your career? I don't know. I, mean, I wish I'd, I'd trusted my instincts um, a lot more than I. I maybe did at the time because I was, I was always working with uh, individuals who were very strong personalities, and I was always this kind of side side guy. But but now I feel as if I think I've done enough to justify um, making decisions about music and songs myself. So um, I'm quite happy to trust my instincts. Excellent. And um, what advice would you give to someone wanting to pursue a career similar to yours in songwriting? Um, I would say you've got to find the time to do it. Um, get yourself a structure in your life that you can actually find the time to do it. And it's always a thing about musicians that's about money. You know, everybody needs money to pay the bills. Don't be afraid to ask for payment for stuff. Um, don't don't let fall under that trap that people um, expect musicians not to not to get paid because at the end of the day, everybody's got bills to pay. You know, so always get paid. Don't need to make a big song and dance about it, but just say up front, right, okay, if you want me to do this, this is how much it will cost you. Mm-hmm. You know, just being quite straightforward and business like about it. You know, it's nothing heavy. Don't feel guilty about asking for money. You know, mm-hmm. Really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A question I wanted to ask earlier on was what what's your main resources for when you're writing? Is it just guitar, pen, paper no, or totally. are you using No, pretty old school. Just the guitar and pen and paper and my phone, basically. And just any ideas, don't try and get into the, the habit of writing them down or recording them straight away and that's in you've got it. You don't need to worry about it. You can always go you go back if you've documented it properly. You'll find it. You know, it's, it's gonna be there and it's yours. So don't be thinking there's a, a kind of big ethical problem about pushing, you know, pulling together bits from other places that you've recorded over the years, we snatches here and there. At the end of the day it's all you, it's all come from you. You build it at your own at your own pace. 
going to ask you three, ask you three quick fire names, if that's all right, of three um, uh, songwriters that you believe everybody should check out. Oh my, right, okay. Well, old times, I would say, like, John Martin is a fantastic guitar player, but I think he also wrote great songs. I think he's worth listening to. Um, I would also say, dear God, um, Judy Sill is another songwriter that maybe doesn't get the credit she deserves. Um, she wrote a couple of, about four great albums back in the 70s, but she, she tragically passed away. She's very troubled, but she's so talented. Um, and another female songwriter called Laura Nero, I think. Um, she was a songwriter, she wrote a lot of songs in the 60s, but then she found her, she became much more jazzy as, as her, her time went on as well. So I, Laura Nero, Judy Sill and John Martin. Um, on the album The Making of You, this time round, um, I play guitar, I play melodica, I played some percussion and some backing vocals. Um, Anna Sheard, she's the lead singer and that's what she does and she does it so well. Um, also on the record was Raymond McGinley, who played guitar, but a percussion, and he also helped to engineer it and a bit of mastering at the end. Um, bass player, a guy called Stevie Jones, um, he played bass and double bass. He's also got a band called The Sound of Yell, and he does a lot of kind of off kilter folk music. He's a very good, very good man. And Stuart Kidd was the drummer. Um, he also did a lot of backing vocals. And what else? Who else? David Scott, actually. Um, he played some strings. He did a wee string arrangement for one of the songs. And so he features in one track. And also on the album, there's a guy called Ken McCluskey, who's a lead singer in the Bluebells. Um, but he played harmonica in one track. And I think... And, oh, aye. And a guy called Chris Geddes who was a keyboard player with Bell and Sebastian and he played the, all the keys on the album. I think that's it. Where can listeners uh, connect with you online? Well, we've got Snogus um, webpage. You can get us on Twitter, you can find us on Facebook and we're always happy to chat to people, you know. So Snogus Music and band Snogus will find us, no bother. Last question comes from uh, Little Frank, age uh -huh. five, it's and he is wanting to know, have you ever seen a Megalodon? Mm, not in the flesh, I'm not that old, but I would like to say, I would like to say I've seen a skeleton of one in the British Museum down in London. I would think it was a Megalodon. Not, is that the big sharky one? Or is that That's the, the big, big... 90 ton shark he is absolutely obsessed with I'd, if, I'd, if I'd seen one I'd have probably had a scarpered you know a bit, uh, no. <laughs> I've seen one and my, my son Michael's got a picture of one as well so I'm quite happy to see it on a page rather than real it was great to meet Jim and get an insight into his background and his approach to the new album. And one thing that really struck me is just really how clear he is on what he wants to achieve. And that was an inspiration to sit and listen to someone that is highly respected and is a Scottish musician and songwriter. So look out for the new Snow Goose album. <laughs>